from around the world, across the globe, and up your street. It's the Awards Radar Podcast, and that was a bad paraphrase of a George Carlin record. Uh, as always, Joey here, your master of ceremonies, alongside Miles. Hi, I'm like the assistant regional manager of ceremonies. Only if he uh, makes his quarterly reports. Damn it. And Steve. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm the janitor of ceremonies. Is there Is one? Your, you know, if you were the janitor, I was going to make a Scrubs reference, but we don't we don't have to. Um, though I do always like that the janitor didn't have a name for a while, and some people thought he was Jan Etor. I have not <laughs> heard that before. Yeah, or making it up. If it, it seems too clever for me to have made it up. Give yourself more credit. Have you met me? True. Yeah, there we go. Uh, let's kick it off with a question. Ryan McDermott, Filmaholic Face-Off. Fences or Widows? Huh. I mean... Well, yeah. Go ahead. I'm ready to um, I, I'll say Widows. Do it. Yeah. Just because Fences is trapped uh, in a stage production from you. A stage production on film. And with, you know, it, it never, it never uh, ascends above that for me. I thought the performances were great, but you know, I, I just, and that, that's similar. I have a similar uh, reaction to a film this year. That's getting a lot of buzz. And I'm like, nah, it still feels like we're on a stage. They just put it in a different setting. This stage happens to be on a roof and in a backyard or a kitchen, but it's still a stage. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Fences never makes the compelling argument for why you should be watching this as a movie as opposed to a stage production. Uh, the performances are incredible, but that's kind of all it's got going for it. Um, wid- I guess I'll go with Widows reluctantly because I think it's like 75% of a great movie, but then the last like, 15, 20 minutes or so kind of ruin any goodwill I had towards it. So it's tough, but I'll go with that one just between the two. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Widows. I, I like both of them less than the consensus, you know, sort of over the uh, the course of their years. But they're both good movies. They're just, you know, like like you guys said, like Fences is a is a play. We're watching a play. It's well acted. But uh, I, I I needed more from the direction. Like that's a that's a thing I liked more about Ma Rainey, for example. George C. Wolfe found more interesting ways to play with the idea of it being a play like it's restricted but you know the 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 camera especially the cinematography i found very good there whereas fences denzel kind of focuses just on the performances which is fine but you know i wouldn't have nominated it for picture or anything like that um widows it's good it's fun but yeah the the ending not not great no there individual moments in the movie are good um, I think Elizabeth Debicki is very good. I think since I think the acting is pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I just you know the the reveal that we get in the third act not great. Sort of the the, no. the end. It, it wraps up too cleanly. Like I, it's it's pulling at itself between being sort of a you know studio like this is fine movie. And, uh, and like a real indie, like gritty, like thing. And, and Steve McQueen, like very comes close to bringing the two together. But I think 
the stuff that you need to do studio wise to make that a successful film. He was kind of bored by, so kind of ushered it along and, and the stuff he was more interested in, he obviously executes very well. So widows, but yeah, not, not, you know, blow me away. Right. Next one, doubt or prisoners, prisoners for like no hesitation. Yes. Prisoners as well. Yeah. Doubt falls into the uh, category from the last one where I like it less than everyone else does. It's well made. Same. It's about, you know, the performances are great, but again, stagey. Um, I did think about doubt last week when I, when I uh, saw wild mountain time to uh, interview John Hamm because John Patrick Shanley did both. And it's insane that the same human being came up with both of those things. Well, and before that he did uh, Joe versus the volcano. So now I, yeah. now I know less than when we started. And Moonstruck. Yeah, exactly. Um, believe it or not, Wild Mountain Time is closer to Joe Vosses the Volcano, but makes less sense. That checks out. I, I believe Tom Hanks's rationale for sacrificing himself to a volcano more than the movie's like third act reveal in his new one. Um, Prisoners, however, is great. Yeah, like some of, you know, I'm going to switch my vote to uh, to doubt just before <gasps> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Although I do prefer prisoners, but I maybe switching my vote will create a Christmas miracle where he comes back. You think he's you think he's going to you think he's going to come out of the retirement? I think he's going to come back. Wow. I think he's going to join. I think he's going to join the MCU. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's all a dream. OK, well, that's a nice sentiment. I'm still going with prisoners, though, because it's a better movie. <laughs> It is. It's a terrible sentiment. It it makes no sense. But you know what? I just felt like saying it. Well, I was going to I was going to pretend that I didn't know he was dead and uh, just get the like, oh, from you guys. But I like sort of the angle we went instead. Uh, No, Prisoners is a better movie, though. Holds up less the more you rewatch it. Still good, mind you. But the uh, that first time you're like, holy crap, I think this is great. Um. I think the second time you watch it, you notice more. You're like, oh, the the room with the boxes, snakes. This is there are dumb moments in this movie, too. I gotcha. Um, but, you know, the acting is phenomenal. Denny is uh, quite the director. And I think that was my first real like knowledge that he was as good as he is. So might be just the, the script. The script there is a little like heavy rain video game type. But yeah, it holds yeah, up. very much it works. so. Yeah. Um, 42 or Marshall? I'd go 42. Yeah, I go 42 as well. Yeah, I have very little thoughts about either. They're both well-intentioned and fairly successful, but, you know, don't. Neither one, I think, was a a home run, perhaps. Uh, uh. Mm, You won't convict me. (laughs) I got both of them. Moving on quickly. Black Panther or Captain America Civil War? I mean, I like both, but it's got to be Black Panther. Hmm. I agree. Black Panther I, is great, but I, I'm not a fan of of, Cap, of Civil War because it feels like uh, like something you would see at an amusement park. With like, oh wait, hey look, and there's here comes Spider Man, and uh, and we're just throwing in all these characters, but there's not as much of emotional or it, it feels like if it if it disappeared from existence, it wouldn't be missed in the MCU. Where Black Panther made a statement and and will never be forgotten. Captain America is one of those. Our Civil War is one of those films that you 
if you're doing a rewatch, you might pass over, at least for me. And I've I watched mean, it three times because I'm like, am I wrong about this? And I don't think I am. I, I would, I would, I don't know. I would almost argue you could pass over just MCU plot wise, Black Panther, the easiest, not quality wise, just in terms of how it factors into the overall story. Civil War is more important to the overall story. Movie wise, I'm actually pulling up my list to see where I put them. I have Civil War at seven and I have Black Panther at three. Wow. So yeah, that's, uh, that's Black Panther. Um, Black Panther's great, but I think it works best because of what it, how it's not, you know, an MCU movie. Mm-hmm. I think Civil War is a, is a good MCU movie. Um, I do love the, the airport scene. I kind of like that the bad guy wins yeah. to some degree. It was the first hints yeah. of the Russo brothers tinkering. Right. No, um, I, I, I mean, I, I love them both, but I love Civil War a lot. That to me feels like oh, wow. the second Avengers movie that Age of Ultron kind of didn't live up to be. Uh, yeah. So we're we're let me let me make sure I have my numbers right because we also didn't get any uh, MCU this year. We're at twenty three Marvel movies, right? That sounds right. Was it not twenty four with Far From Home? I, th- I have twenty three with Far From Home, but it might it might I might have got my numbers wrong. wrong. Um, so we're in the right realm. Yeah. Um, here I'll give you my rankings since. These questions always bring us in a wild direction. Um, I only don't like two, I would say. Two of the 23. And then two more that I'm like, yeah, it's fine. So I would say, and then two more that I'm like, I have, I, I enjoyed, but I never want to watch again. So still like 17 out of 23. It's a great batting average. Yeah. Um, so number 23 is Thor The Dark World. It's not good. Not controversial. No. Uh, 22, The Incredible Hulk. Also not good, but like at the time it was diverting, you know? Yeah, it's it's totally watchable, but doesn't really leave any kind of taste in your mouth. Yeah, they were. it was it was a letdown after Iron Man, but still sort of on par for what we were getting superhero-wise. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm also fairly forgiving. Like, I don't think Green Lantern is atrocious. It's not good. But it's like right there, like Incredible Hulk and Green Lantern are of the same quality to me. I'm like misfire, yeah. but I didn't hate watching it. I was just like, this is not as imaginative as it could have been. This is, you know, sort of thrown together. Uh, 21 Iron Man 2. Sure. Yeah. I like Mickey Rourke. I think he's a wild villain in it. Um, Sam Rockwell and everything. Yes, please. Yes. And some of the stuff is is cool. I like this, the suit in the suitcase. Um, it was just so overly concerned with becoming eventually the Avengers. Well, not only that, that's one of the ones that, uh, they filmed it during the writer's strike. So they were having to sort of tinker with it on set. And I think most films that came from that sort of period, like quantum of solace is another example where just, they clearly didn't spend enough time on the story before they started shooting it. So it just kind of turned out messy. Yeah. There's, there's been several occasions where, so my dad likes bond movies, but is sort of indifferent to the Daniel Craig's, but we've we've been having di- dinner together and uh, Quantum of Solace will be on. It's, it plays a lot on TV for whatever reason. And my mom's not a fan of it because it is if you watch it not being a Bond fan, there's a lot more action than your average Bond movie, even so, because they're filling in the blanks. And I've had to sort of explain like the writer's strike. Daniel Craig kind of wrote this movie. So 
there was a lot of, well, we got to get eventually to this next location. We could just fight for a while. And in that realm, it works like inadvertently for that one. And we'll, I guess this is a good time to mention, we're going to have a, uh, a bond sort of special episode or two, um, kind of like saw tying into nothing because it's what we do. But when we talk quantum solace, they, uh, they stumble into a lot of really interesting locations. Like visually, it's one of the more interesting Bond movies, except for the in, in, incomprehensible cutting that happens. Well, that to me is what ruins the entire movie, because I can't enjoy any of the action because it's all cut to within an inch of its life, but not in like an artful Paul Greengrass kind of way, just in a way that looks like visually chaotic. Well, that's that's um that's the thing about Dan Bradley, who um, is sort of the guy He's the, the second unit director and like stunt guy. Like he came up with that look for those Bourne sequels. He's, he's like very much tied into that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work for Bond. You need to sort of watch him, you know, be brutal as opposed to sort of guess. He also directed the remake of Red Dawn Oh, well, for what that's worth. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, another movie that's not good, but I didn't hate, honestly, even though watching it was very strange you're like so they're where are they from <laughs> what country they're from a, a red state you know a state that has the color red on its flag pick one yeah but not china definitely not china definitely don't not say china. china but not russia either <laughs> yeah are they are they speaking chinese we don't know my god that movie even when it came out was problematic um so yeah, number 20 is Thor. I just, I wasn't wild about the early Thors before he had a sense of humor. But it's, you know, effective enough. Yeah. It's, it was, I, I expected it to be nothing. So the fact that it was at all watchable, I thought was a minor miracle. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man 3. I enjoy it more than 19. I just find it. Which one, Thor? Thor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 19 is Iron Man 3. I think we're still in that realm of, like, nothing to go batshit about, but fine. Yeah, I, I I still think the twist is a stroke of genius, but I, like, yes. upon rewatch, the rest of the movie actually doesn't hold up as well as I thought it would, and the ending is especially kind of, it falls into very predictable territory. Yeah. Um, 18 Age of Ultron. Some more boat. Yeah. The good is good, the the overall thing is like, ah, eh, this, you know, they set it up as like Ultron, one of the big bads, whereas, you know, it is just a lot of robots. Yeah, it doesn't build him up enough. And that's a pity because I think James Spader is doing a fantastic job, but there's just no real mm-hmm. character there. Yeah. Now we're getting, I think, into the next tier. So 18 to 23 was like, you know. I could be a dick and be like DC quality, but you know, <laughs> just to, but you wouldn't do that. No, I'm a nice person. Also, I do like several of the DC movies. Um, those are just the, I would say third tier Marvel, let's say, you know, decent and also slightly disappointing. Uh, then we got Captain America, the first Avenger. I know there are people who love this one, but I, I think it's good. Not great. So here's my hot take. You ready? I, th- mm. I think Captain America, the first Avenger is the worst film in the MCU. It's, it's been the bottom of my list wow. since it came out and it has never budged. 
I think the the so, problem with that one is a Captain America has zero character arc whatsoever because he starts the movie good and he ends the movie good. So all they can really do to give him any kind of depth is kill off his friends. One of which, yeah. most of which they don't even keep long term. And then I think it was before they had the kind of money where they could do anything. And I don't think they sell the period setting very well. I think there's a lot of really distracting kind of fake looking CG. And um, especially when you get into the second half where everyone's just firing laser guns all over the place, it it really doesn't sell it. And I think that could have been its strongest sort of point being this kind of throwback, but I don't think it quite lands. Hmm. Steve, where are you on that one? I like it a lot more than you do. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, nostalgic. I liked Iron Man. I didn't like the Hulk, but Iron Man, the original Thor and the first Avenger are all favorites. I well, I'll surprise you with the one that will probably be on the top of your list again that I don't care for that falls under Captain America. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I think you could figure it out by now. <laughs> well, I mean, we I'm going to go on a limb and say Winter, uh, Winter Soldier or Civil War because, you know, the only options. Um, so here we'll round out the top, the not, not in the top 10. So that was 17, 16 is guardians of the galaxy volume two. Again, good. Um, 15 ant-man. I like that a little bit more than the average 14 winter soldier, 13, Dr. Strange, 12 ant-man and the wasp. I do. I, I think I like ant-man more than the average, uh, and 11 captain Marvel. So if there's any anything in there that interests either of you, go for it. I mean, I probably like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 more than you do, but the rest of them I can't really argue with. Fair enough. Steve? Doctor Strange I put up toward the top. Doctor Strange is mm. top three for me. All right. So now we're in the top ten. Ragnarok, ten. Mm. Um, the, the stuff that's hilarious is great. The... Thor being Thor stuff, fine. But every comedic bit I thought was delightful. Yeah. Um, that one gets by on Taika Waititi's sort of vision for it and the kind of 80s, you know, techno infusion of style that was missing before. I think yeah. I think that movie is at its weakest when it's still trying to be a Thor movie. Like a lot of the stuff in Asgard falls like even flatter than the first two films. Yeah, nothing in, nothing in Asgard did it for me. Um, Minus, but, the, but all the stuff with Jeff Goldblum and uh, yeah, exactly. Tessa Thompson and all the other side characters on the other planets were just a plus. Yeah, the um, go ahead. So you like you didn't like Blanchett? She's fine. I, I like her. Fine. I wish she had more of a character to work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing on Asgard I, I was a fan of was the uh, the cameo, <laughs> the Matt Damon like. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That was a great touch. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm much, much bigger into Goldblum. I love his, I love the post credit sequence. Congratulations, we did it. It's, it's a tie. So yeah, let's call it a draw. Yeah. Let's call it a draw. That's one of, can't the, have, that's one of can't the have a revolution without a leader. I uh, can't overthrow someone without me there. We did it. Um, and also, um, what was it when he, when he throws uh, Loki? Was it help me or whatever it was? I don't remember the phrase. Let's do help me. Oh, I don't want to no, me. I don't want you to help me. Yeah. Do you have a better plan? That no, was, we're doing it. <laughs> I love that. The, the interactions were, yeah. were what made that sing. Um, so, yeah, that's why it gets top 10. Nine Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, that's a great one. Yep. It mm-hmm. was also just like such a breath of fresh air at the time where they could have gotten stale. And you kind of expected that one not to be good. So for it to be good was 
amazing. Uh, they they showed us a sequence from it. I don't remember if it was more than one sequence, but they showed us the prison break, which was like a wild introduction to that that movie. Like, wait, the raccoon just stole someone's arm? All right, I'm in. And like um, Groot in the background, just kind of like doing his thing. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was in. Uh, eight, the Avengers. I'd probably put it a teensy bit higher, but yeah, it's one of the best. Yeah, I think I think rewatching it now, it almost seems quaint by comparison. But uh, the first time, you're just like, wow, they did it. Like, yeah. they pulled it off. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. That. I remember having to. Yeah, I remember having to explain to my ex why it was why it was important. Like we had, I'd gone to see it, came back, was like raving about it. Showed it to her when it hit Blu-ray, I think, later that year. And I remember her being like, "I like the Hulk. Like Hulk Smash is good. <laughs> Everything else, she was a little lukewarm on." But I had to explain, like, no, there's something about like when they all, when they do that like sweeping shot of all of them there, like that's the first time in a movie ever that something like that has happened. Like that's 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 the nerdy equivalent of like sound you know just like something you've never had before you right. now have um and if only we knew where that was going uh seven civil war so we spoke about it a little bit steve's steve's lower on it i think miles may be a little higher than I'm, i am I'm, yeah it's on the high end for me it's probably i i have to go back and double check my ranking but it's probably in like five or six for me can you expand on it a little bit i'm, I'm still not I'm, I'm i just feel like i'm missing the boat and I'm like, what? What is it that people love about it? The airport scene is a lot of fun. It seems like it's only there to be fun, and it, and a lot of it doesn't make much sense when you're watching Ant Man fight. You know, it's like you would just squash no matter who these people are. You would squash them like a bug. Mm. You know, so some of the, yeah, you know, the physics or whatever it is, the science behind it doesn't really ring true. Which is, you know, maybe I have to turn off my brain, but. You know, so if you can explain a little bit, I'd like to know because maybe yeah. I'll go back and, and see something different. Uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff, I think it, it definitely is a kind of turn your brain off moment when you're considering all the different kinds of powers at play that various people have. It's inevitable that certain ones just wouldn't necessarily mesh together super well. And I think the for me, what's fun about it is the character interactions more than the action itself. It's the kind of, you know, people bouncing off each other. It's the moment where, like, Hawkeye introduces himself. Hey, I'm Clint. And Black Panther says, I don't care. It's like little moments uh, that remind us sort of who they are and how they feel about each other. And then for me, I mean, I love the airport fight. I think it's visually amazing. But I also, for me, the standout moment is the bit at the end where it's just uh, Steve and Tony sort of getting really kind of brutal. And for a split second, there was a moment in my mind where it's like, is Captain America about to decapitate Iron Man with his shield? And thankfully that didn't happen, but it's, it kind of got to this place where, you know, like Joey said, the villain kind of won at the end. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, it it felt like it's, it was something different, whereas like Age of Ultron felt like it was kind of just maintaining the status quo. This one felt like it was pushing the larger story forward and did so in a way where um, the, um, it sort of set the stage for Infinity War in a big way. Mm. Um, I, w- I want to move on to the... So since Ryan doesn't care about this, but I'll, I'll quickly mention it has one of my favorite lines in the MCU, which is, you got a lot of heart, kid. Where are you from? Queens. And he just smiles and goes, Brooklyn. Love that. Love that moment. All right. Yeah, that's pretty great. I also love the Falcon Winter Soldier interactions. Can you move your seat up? I, no. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, they, they're the odd couple stuff MCU always does well. Um, six, yeah. Far From Home. 
I also love Spider-Man more than I think most. I don't know if I'd have Far From Home that high, but I do love the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. Yeah, they, 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 there's just something, I just think they got it. Yeah. Like, this is what I want out of Spider-Man. I want overwhelmed kid, like, trying to, trying to do his thing. Like, you know, the Tobey Maguire ones are, are solid. And I even like the Andrew Garfield ones to some degree. Um, but I think he, like, I want to watch that age kid deal with being Spider-Man. Like, yeah. There's, it's just more, I don't know, not more relatable because I'm close, I'm the age of middle-aged Andrew Garfield in the movie, but you know, um, watching I, him. I like the supporting cast too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that, you know, he, he, being part of it, this group of kids, you know, that he, it's not just Spider-Man lone, you know, lone Venger. It's, it's the Zendaya. Um, I forget what the name of his, his best friend is. Um, uh, Jacob oh, Babylon. Um, yeah. But whenever they're on screen, you you want to see more of them. They're not like, oh, here comes that moment we have to you know push through. I'm waiting for action. No, I actually enjoy those interactions quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. He uh, when we get to Homecoming, Jacob Adelon has my favorite line in that movie, which is still, "What are you doing?" When he's on the computer, I'm watching pornography. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such a right answer for that. Yeah, like I, I don't know. They just everything about it. Yeah, I have to watch out with my kids and hope that they didn't uh, they didn't hear that or understand it or ask you, you said, what does that he mean? said he said photography but i just said who wants ice cream and then mm. they'll go run into the kitchen that's funny well 10 15 years from now when your children associate ice cream with uh <laughs> all right let's not go there <laughs> all for the therapist couch uh number five infinity war cool yeah it's in my top five too yep um yeah again like the bad guy wins um you know, some characters are shortchanged, but I think the experience of watching it going, I have no idea what's going to happen. I know something bad's going to happen, but what are what are they willing to do with a essentially trillion dollar property was an interesting experience. Oh, for sure. And I think even though it's kind of built into the DNA of the series that it, the whole thing's going to get reversed, the fact that yeah. they still were in a position where they could just straight up end one of their movies with half their cast getting massacred it's you know it's kind of a heart-stopping moment of like oh wow like regardless of it get reversed this is still happening right now and you know you're getting the pain of people losing their friends and loved ones and it's kind of shocking and you know i applaud them for that when you look at it from the creative sense as the create this universe and actually make it come together the scope of it is just insane you know when you have had crossovers before you know, in in comparison, they're they're minuscule. I mean, in other franchises, TV shows, all that. But here, they're taking how many years, decades worth of characters and, and putting them on screen, and you walked away satisfied. Which I'm like, if if I gave, if I enjoyed it half as much as I did, I still think it would be a success just from the logistical aspect of it and the way they were able to create this uh, this spectacle on screen. They didn't just feel like. What I said about Civil War, where I go, yeah, they're just throwing characters together. You know, it yeah. made you care. When you walked out of there, you were affected. It, it, it did. A, it was incredible. Oh, yeah. And also, it's it's good in the sense of the audience for these things is like a 50-50 split between those familiar with the comic books and those who only know them from the movies. So if you if you do know the comic, you're like, oh, they're doing the Infinity Gauntlet. And if you don't know the uh, the books, you're going... They just killed Spider-Man and they introduced him in the last movie and they killed like Black Panther. Like what? What is happening? <laughs> so they, you know, 
that's something I enjoy after seeing these films because I don't know the comics. So yeah. speaking to somebody and saying, so what happened here? You know, what, what is, you know, where does this come from? Is this something you, you know, that you knew about before? And then they tell you the whole backstory and catch me up on, you know, a decade's worth of, uh, of missed yeah. uh, comic well, books. Well, I think, I think the thing with, um, with how they tinker is like, so yeah, the 50% still vanishes in the book, but I'm sure I'm almost positive. The people who were snapped are very different in the, uh, in the comic. Right. You know, you know, the, the movie, I don't think you notice it the first time you watch. And I think if you did, you would like it less is they mostly snap new characters because, you know, they clearly planned for the sequel to be the old gang. Um, so watching it, you know, that's maximum shock value. Cause, but at the same time you're going, wait, wait, what, <laughs> you know, cause they also are coming right off that moment where you think they're going to kill Tony Stark. Right, where it even seems like it's going to happen for a few seconds. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, is this it? And they end up saving that for Endgame. Spoiler alert for a however old movie. But Oh, come on. Hmm. Um, so that's our. So we're in the top five now. So Infinity Wars number five. Number four, Iron Man. It's been spoken about forever. It's the OG. We don't get there. We don't get any of this without it. And it's it's a fun movie. Like, it's, it's very, you know what it reminds me? You know what reminds me of it a lot? Mandalorian. John Favreau, mm, yeah. when he's telling a story like this, is great. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with his Disney like motion capture stuff, but he he has a sense of adventure that I am I am completely here for. Um, even though I don't know that I'll ever forgive him for season two, episode two of The Mandalorian, writing what he wrote. <laughs> Are you caught I, up? I I no, I I literally last yesterday only first watched that episode because I knew it was going to be a problem for me. <laughs> um, luckily that's mostly just the last 15 minutes. And I kind of like zoomed past about half of that. So mm. I survived, but fuck you, John Favreau, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think you'd understand the movie's great. Iron Man's great. We'll do some Mandalorian talk um, next week. Give me another week to catch more up. Okay. Um, so we're into the top three. Number three is Black Panther, which is the longest way of answering that question that Ryan asked in history. <laughs> Pretty good. I have it at number two myself. It's yeah. it, it just stands out as like completely separate from the MCU. It's it's an incredible achievement as a movie. Yeah, I uh, we, we talked about it a little bit when we gave our answers, but I almost think it's in some ways when they're not in Wakanda, like almost like a Bond film. Like it almost makes me want to see Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan do a Bond movie. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Or at least, a, you know, an original spy movie, if not. Right. So there's that. So number two, Homecoming. Nice. Not shocking, given what I said earlier. Um, all my thoughts about that continue. And that leaves number one, which some people have figured out. But if you haven't, yep, it's Endgame. I, I don't know how much of it has to do with the scenario of seeing it the way I did. Um, but I thought it was perfect. I thought it did exactly what it needed to do. And whether it gets bonus points for, you know, seeing it 10 AM the morning, the entire, you know, critical world was first getting a crack at it. Um, maybe that helps if not, you know, I don't know. There's something about like sitting there going, I have no idea what they're going to do because I, the trailers have told me nothing like this is unusual. I'm about to watch three hours of a blockbuster where two hours and 50 
eight minutes of it are to be revealed. And, and one of the great moments of that year was still, was it 15 minutes in when they go five years later, you're like, what the fuck? All right. All right. They're, they're not going, they're not going gently. Uh, so I, I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliantly done. And I believe if not made my top 10 last year came very, very close. Yeah, I, I, I have to concur. It's my number one as well. And I think what makes it even more impressive as sort of this conclusion to this, you know, 20 something year or 20 something movie sort of franchise, at least, you know, for now, um, is that the same year we also got the conclusions to Game of Thrones and the new Star Wars trilogy. And mm-hmm. seeing how those two just sort of royally face planted at every opportunity, really sort of, you know, endings are hard and, you know, a satisfying ending that you feel like does justice to the characters and the larger mythology while still maybe leaving a little room for being excited for whatever comes next. I mean, I think Endgame nailed it every step of the way. And, you know, there's minor quibbles about the logistics of the time travel stuff, but that's hardcore turn your brain off territory. And I think the stuff it does right with the characters and for me, like the moment where all the portals open and all the characters you thought were dead come through, even if, you know, they do lay the groundwork for it, it's just such an emotional, emotionally cathartic moment. It has that moment of like all the heroes that have been in all these movies sort of lining up together, uh, you know, for The Last Stand. It's uh, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know left. how beautiful that moment is, is I just got the chills by you describing that moment. Right. That says a lot. Right. You know, it's incredible. So going back to what you said, Joey, about it was at the time you saw it, you know, the setting situation, um, you know, I thought the same. I went, I didn't you know, have any kind of critic ac- access. I just went and had the first screening, uh, the very first, you know, the morning of, and I walked out and I was just amazed by what I saw and I, I absolutely loved it. And I thought, will this hold, hold up? And, you know, I revisited it since and I liked it as much, if not more. Um, yeah. It's 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 really just just incredible work just to 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 wrap things up to tie that knot and and finish it off and have you be satisfied when you watch like you said star wars and, and game of thrones uh just falter left and right there's very few missteps and like the ones like you're saying about the science you know you have to turn your brain off because that's what ruins movies for people i go once in a while just watch and enjoy what they're trying to say and do don't sit there and pick things apart pick things apart while you're having a beer with your friends but when you're watching a movie enjoy the film this is you know it's the experience you're supposed to have and unless it's something so bad that you go all right that ruined it but this you know this was not the situation with uh, with endgame or most of these films you just enjoy the ride and, and they're fantastic rides on your left <laughs> all right backing again the chills yeah backing up to ryan's question <laughs> um one more one more face off oh my god ma we rainey. all that in between face offs <laughs> yep ma rainey or, De- or the five bloods i have to go the five bloods because uh i have not seen ma rainey yet. seen ma rainey yet. i believe it is now available on netflix yeah this week i shall be watching yeah five bloods for me as well uh i clearly got homework to do because i have not seen either of these films yet there you go you know your top 10 does this do in like a month right yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get a lot of binging done the last week. Well, most of them are on Netflix, so I don't really have to worry. There you go. And then R- Ryan's follow-up question is, among the films discussed in Robert's outstanding articles on the worst movie sequels, which would you declare, in quotations, the winner? So 
Uh, I'll pull them up. Robert did an article on the worst movie sequels where he uh, he interestingly framed it not just like, you know, American Pie presents Bandcamp or whichever, you know, like movie that's not really even meant to be good. Um, but more that they 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 hurt the original in some way. So his options, and we'll see which one is the most egregious. We have 2010, The Year We Make Contact, sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey. We have The Dark Knight Rises, sequel to Dark Knight and Batman Begins. We have the original Halloween 2, sequel to Halloween. Hannibal, sequel to Silence of the Lambs. Jason Bourne, the fourth Bourne movie. And then the other options are... Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Sequel to Legally Blonde. <laughs> Mary Poppins Returns, sequel to Mary Poppins. Rambo First Blood Part 2, sequel to First Blood. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, sequel to, I'm not saying all of them. And Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, sequel to Terminator and Terminator 2. Um, I don't think any of them are necessarily bad, with the exception of Legally Blonde 2. So I'm, I'm going to pick that one just because it's a bad movie that also does the complete opposite of the original. Like the original is not the like blondes are dumb movie and the sequel kind of is a blondes are dumb movie. What do you guys think? Well, one stands out for me, Hannibal. I think after the masterpiece of the silence of the lambs, such a, a major, you know, uh, misstep and just a drop in quality and just overall there's there's really I, I can't think of anything redeeming about it. it it went more for shock and uh and forgot what the original film was i read the book as well and the book was just as bad so see i like the book the book is different so so the 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 i didn't read the fourth book hannibal rising the prequel but i read all three of the the main books and the thing was so simon's and the lambs is a fairly faithful adaptation and red dragon is actually a very faithful adaptation to the point where you know Brett ratner brings nothing to it because he's just basically filming the book and that's what makes it a, a decent movie but hannibal yeah they go in a lot of different directions because i think robert even mentions in the article like thomas harris didn't want them to make a hannibal movie so he wrote as gross and like out there a book as possible to sort of prevent it from happening and they still did it um, even keeping some of the wild things in it that he's like, you, you, you're not gonna, you're not going to have Mason Verger in this movie. Like this is not a character you can film. And they did it anyway. Um, it's a, it's closer to a horror movie and like, then like, you know, a, a fully functional film like Silence of the Lambs is, but it, it has its like sort of visceral charms of Ridley Scott just being like, I'm going to make something gross. Let's go for it. But yeah, I, I can I can totally see Hannibal being the most egregious there for you. Um, Miles, what about you? Um, I mean, I agree. Hannibal is the worst of that trilogy, and it's just kind of no Hannibal. Hannibal well, well, Hannibal Rising is the worst movie of the four. Well, of I, those three, I say yeah. trilogy. I don't think Hannibal Rising counts as a movie. We can just kick it. We just pretend it doesn't exist. Um, yeah, like that. You know, there's no point in even bringing that up. It's so bad. Um, but for me, the one that 
is the most egregious because the thing with Hannibal is that it's bad, but also that's such a weird loose trilogy where Anthony Hopkins and like one or two supporting characters are really the only connective tissue. Everyone else gets recast all the time. So it's easy for me to sort of separate it in my brain and not taint Sons of the Lambs. But that's true. Hmm. But the film on here that I think does uh, sort of mortally wound what came before is Rise of Skywalker because and you know, this is a controversial opinion for some reason. I still don't understand why, but I think The Last Jedi is the most interesting Star Wars movie to come out since the original trilogy. And I think it tried to push the story into some interesting new directions and not make things so dependent on these mystery boxes and the kind of dumb generic setups that J.J. put into The Force Awakens. And I think to have Rise of Skywalker pay way too much attention to certain sections of fan outrage to the point where the entire film feels like a retcon of what came before... It like it plays like a, a sequel to a hypothetical film that came in between Force Awakens and Last Jedi and like goes out of its way to contradict both of them. And it just it doesn't have any meaningful reference points beyond. Oh, remember Star Wars? Star Wars was pretty good, right? You remember Star Wars? Here's some Star Wars for you. And as, as but being marketed as like the c- thrilling conclusion to this nine picture saga, it just it falls so flat and it just utterly misses the mark in ways that are kind of unforgivable in this day and age. Can, can I tell you that I, I saw cats and rise of Skywalker as my two press screenings that day. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Rise of Skywalker in the morning, in the rain, then cats at night. Yeah, it happened. It was bad, but yeah, I, I, it's, I, I, it's the only star Wars movie. I don't, particularly like like i gave it the most mild of thumbs up because like i I guess you achieved what you set out to do but at what cost (laughs) um yeah so i think i think that that handles that pretty well we have a we have another question though we have a question from Catherine short uh kathy short underscore short on uh on twitter um ryan mcdermott i believe is just ryan mcdermott on twitter and Catherine asked, do you think that the best actress contenders this year are more interesting than they were last year? So let's think all the way back to last year. And I'm going to give you a handful of names that were in the running for best actress last year. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Cynthia Revo, Harriet. Natalie Portman, Lucy in the Sky. And all, not all going to be good. Alfred Woodard, Clemency. Renee Zellweger, Judy. Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, Aquafina, The Farewell, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Us, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Kristen Stewart for Seaberg, uh, Mary Kay Place, Diane, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart, uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, Queen and Slim, Julianne Moore, Gloria Bell, Florence Pugh, Midsummer. Let's, let's go with that. So that was that lineup, let's say, to pull from. And I think I don't, I don't think I missed any of the main people because it got very thin towards the end. There was about six or seven people competing for the five slots. This year, we've got Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Sydney Flanagan, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Sophia Loren, The Life Ahead, Amy Adams, Hillbilly Elegy, Kate Winslet, Ammonite, Meryl Streep, The Prom, 
uh, Zendaya from Malcolm and Marie, assuming that comes out. Sienna Miller, Wander Darkly. Andrew Day, United States versus Billy Holiday, assuming that comes out. Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit. Um, Elizabeth Moss, The Invisible Man. Kristen Milioti, Palm Springs. Julia Garner, The Assistant. Uh, Haley Bennett, Swallow. So let's say that's sort of largely the group. Which group do you think is more interesting? I unfortunately have not seen a, a ton of this year's yet. I'm catching up, uh, although I do love Carrie Mulligan. Um, and last year, if you look back at the at the race, I prefer a lot of the non-nominees you know, who didn't make the yes. list to the ones who actually did. Um, but because of the you know the volume of I've seen of those, I, I'm going to go with with last year's. But this year has a lot of promise from what, what I'm reading. I just have not seen them all. I, I agree about like some of the non-nominated contenders. FYC, sure, at least they're on long shot. Um, I will go this year though, just because the the one-two punch of Sydney Flanagan and uh, and Carrie Mulligan is so 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 good that when you even before you get into Francis McDormand and Vanessa Kirby and any your traditional sort of they would be in it in any year contenders. They're, they're just so good. Um, it's very close, though. I, 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 I'm I curious to see what happens when things thin out a little bit and we have our, like, six to ten people who are logically there for the the five slots. Miles? Uh, I'm kind of with Steve. I have not seen a lot of the films from this year that are referenced here. I've only really seen... You son of a bitch. I know. I'm the worst. Uh, but I've, out of these, I've probably only seen Jesse Buckley and Elizabeth Moss, which are both great performances, but both unlikely to be nominated. Um, it's it's an interesting lineup. I'm particularly excited to check out uh, Carrie Mulligan uh, when Promising Young Woman hits Florida. But um, I, I probably got to go with last year. And I do want to echo the sentiment that the non-nominees were overall more interesting than the ones that got in and all of the above being more interesting than the one that actually won last year. Hmm. Um, let's jump from there to uh, predictions. We're recording this as the Los Angeles Film Critics Circle is getting like ready to announce. So next week we'll go into more precursors. But um, I put up Golden Globe predictions. And uh, as always, the interesting thing to talk about there is always the uh, comedy or musical categories. So let's, uh, let's talk about that for a minute and then we'll sort of bring this puppy in. The year is a little rough, let's say. Um, coming up with 10 comedies was not necessarily easy, but here, I'll give you my list in reverse order. Uh, number 10, Banana Split. Wishful thinking on my part. I like that movie quite a bit. I highly recommend it. Uh, number nine, Emma. So, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Number eight, 40, the 40 year old version. It's a good Netflix movie. Um, not the Globes style, I think. But look for that to do well, like the Spirit Awards, I think. Seven, French Exit. I, I don't care for it, but I know some people enjoyed it. But also, like, not necessarily what I think the Globes would go for. It's maybe even a little too classy for, for their category. So I think there's six films up for these, usually five slots, though, you know, they do have their ties. Uh, number six is The King of Staten Island. Anyone have any thoughts there? No. 
<laughs> I haven't seen it. I have it. I've, I've yet to watch it. It's I'll be I'll be catching up in, in the next like uh, next two weeks. You know, mm. January, early January is usually when I sit down and day in and day out, catch up on all the, uh, the things yeah. I missed out on. I look forward to it. Yeah, same here. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> It's going to make my top 10, spoiler alert, so I love it. Um, oddly, Judd Apatow does not usually get into Golden Globe comedy. I think the only one he did was uh, Trainwreck. So whether or not this continues and this is now a thing where he's accepted by them or not, we'll see. Uh, number five, Borat. I think it's fair to assume it'll probably get in. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, they nominated good- the first one and, you know, it's a pretty thin category, so I'd be surprised. I just wonder, you know, the politics of it, you know, with uh, with Trump still being around and still annoying people. I think it actually kind of helps the film because you watch it and you still have a distaste for him. There's no you, he can't be forgotten. He won't leave the spotlight. So you, every day I still wake up and go, oh, this guy again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it helps the film, I think. Probably. That's what that's I think what put it over. I think that's what put it over King of Style for me now. Just like the political sort of element of it. Uh, four, Palm Springs. God, I hope this happens. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's one of my favorites of the year so far. Eh, I liked it. Well, I didn't love it. Fair enough. Hopefully more people think like us in the Globes than you do. <laughs> um, number three, The Prom. I'm almost positive this is getting nominated. They got to have at least one musical in there to make it a comedy musical category. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I haven't watched. Uh, number two, On the Rocks. Seems like a globe movie, like very much a globe movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with uh, with Bill Murray, I think I think he looks pretty good for a, a a nod for supporting, right? So yeah, I mean he's supporting, I'm sure, for the Oscars, but you know the Globes could. I don't know if they do their own thing with that. You know, they could also slip him into actor in a comedy. And then my my predicted winner is Promising Young Woman. They do love to give the award to movies that are barely comedies. Well, I think I've noticed the Globes, the Globes always do this thing where there's one or two movies every year that go to the comedy musical category that don't really fit there. But I suspect the reason they do is because they know that the competition will be a little too tough if they put them all in the drama category. So this is one like, okay, we'll make sure it gets some play like that kind of happened with The Martian a few years ago. It's something that they do. So I'm kind of grateful for it because it means Promising Young Woman has a chance to actually win this one now. Yep. I also think... Go ahead, go ahead, Steve. Uh, that's that's where I, where I feel where I you know stand on this too because I I love the film. I don't think it would uh, walk home with a trophy if it went drama. So you know what, category fraud or not, I'll I'll take it, give it the win, give it a little exactly. momentum for the uh, the Oscars. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Actress in a comedy. Um, I'll give you the five who I don't have nominated, and you'll see that it's kind of like it seems like the five are the five for now. Uh, 10, Tracy Ellis Ross, The High Note. I wouldn't like put it out of the realm of possibility as one of those like out of nowhere nominations, but I also don't know if they love Blackish on TV, so I can't say if she's like a fan favorite or not. Uh, Emily Blunt, Wild Mountain Time. Never forget Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eight, Rada Blank, 40-year-old version. Seven, Anna Taylor Joy Emma. Six, Joellen Pellman, The Prom. There's a one to possibly look out for if they love The Prom. But my five is Rashida Jones on the rocks. Four, Krista Milioti, Palm Springs. Three, Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit. 
two Meryl Streep for prom and one Carrie Mulligan promising a woman. Though you could flip flop one and two and not be crazy. But I think the five seem like the five there. Yeah, I don't think there'll be much room for wiggle room there. That looks good to me. Yeah, Rashida Jones would be the, the I think, the one at risk. I'm not hearing a lot of love for Pfeiffer. I'm hearing a lot of uh, middle. I mean, the people, yeah, the people who love her bang the drum for her, but I, I don't like the movie, so I can't, uh, can't say I'm upset, but we'll see. I think if there's a resurgence, it would be here. Actor in a comedy is unfortunately like even worse. <laughs> um, here's how you'll know. My number 10 is Steve Carell, irresistible. Oh boy. My number nine is Matthew McConaughey, The Gentleman. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> My number eight is Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted Face the Music. All right. <laughs> yep. Yep. My number seven, Seth Rogen and American Pickle. Eh, it's not a bad pick. I mean, it's not a bad pick. He plays two roles. He's good in the movie, mm-hmm. but they're not going to go for it. Uh, My number six is Jamie Dorn in Wild Mountain Time. So my five by default here's where it gets interesting my number five is james corden for the prom it would be very much like the globes to nominate a performance everyone hates yeah i can see that yeah um my number four is pete davidson the king of Staten island yeah i mean this is what the category is made for like celebrate a comedian doing good work in a comedy um number three dev patel the personal history of david copperfield because i guess Um, my number two is Andy Samberg, Palm Springs. Yeah, for sure. And, um, oddly, I think one of the largest slam dunks, I guess, of the Globes this year is going to be Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat's subsequent movie film. I I don't, I don't know how he loses, (laughs) whether you like it or not. Like it, it seems like a done deal. Looking at this list, I still like Seth Rogen above all. I'm not saying he's going to get nominated, win or anything else, but, um, but I like that performance best. Oh, no. If I was just going by like performances, Rogan, Pete Davidson, and Andy Samberg would be my top three. That's I, I, I don't even know that Sasha Branko would be nominated in my five. Um, I'd have to look more closely at like people who have no chance in fucking hell that I like this year to see if there's a, another opportunity. But, um, you know the star of Borat is, is, is the daughter this time around. Like he, it's also just like, I'm, I'm not as impressed because I know he can do this. So like, it's a good performance. I, I, he's doing what he's doing fearlessly once again, but I'm not like, holy shit, is he going to get murdered doing this? You know, the, the luster of it has, has somewhat worn off only in the sense of like, he's so good at it that you're used to it. Honestly, that's kind of why I feel like he's not necessarily a, a done deal. Like I would say Andy Samberg is actually, for me at least, both in terms of preference and likeliness to win, I would give him a bit of a leg up there because I feel like he's, you know, we know he's a funny guy, but I feel like this film gives him some opportunities to play some dramatic notes that he hasn't always had the opportunity to do. And the fact that he plays them so well, I think uh, sort of elevates that uh, performance among the uh, the top three you have here. Fair. Sandberg reminds me of a film called Civil War that I just don't get. <laughs> I mean, he, he's good for Andy Sandberg, but 
I don't I don't think the performance is is anything a standout. You know, I I know I like I said I enjoyed the film, but some people walk away and say you know that was the best film of the year. They loved it. They watched it so many times. I I again watched it a second time trying to. I was like, why didn't I laugh that much? I like the time travel, you know, all that stuff, you know, and twisting things around. And, and I loved uh, J.K. Simmons and some yeah. of the surprises. But overall, I just, yeah, it it's still somewhere in good to very good, but definitely not great territory. This is the wrong time, I guess, to mention that holding on line for the last few minutes and listening in has been Andy Samberg for our, our interview. <laughs> hey, Andy. Hey, Steve. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying good for Andy Samberg. That's what I'm saying, Andy. You're, that's amazing. That's a, such a high bar. Congratulations, Andy. Hey, Steve. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, Andy. I didn't really plan a second. I didn't really plan a follow-up comment. <laughs> I'll see you at lunch tomorrow. You also clearly didn't plan an Andy Samberg impression. I don't know what his impression would be. Wait a second. That was an impression. Yeah. Ah, uh, Joey. I really. I, if only I could do. If I could do good impressions, I would. I would just fuck with you guys a lot longer because I would make it seem like it was real for a while. Because we do get interviews on the site. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that he would be here. One only hopes that he doesn't diligently listen to the podcast of every website that interviews him. Yeah, I mean, at least I like the movie. I'm trying to think. Like, is there anyone who, if they were to stumble across us after the fact? would be disappointed. And I don't think so. Because if here, here, this is the middle of a podcast, none of them will listen to I can I can be real for a minute. Don't spread the word guys. <laughs> um, if we have interviewed someone for a movie we're not wildly fond of, odds are I won't review the movie as a courtesy. You know, which is a, a fair Yeah, like if the site is doing promotion work for you, which is what an interview is, let's be real, it's good for us, it's good for them. To then do another article that's like, by the way, fuck that movie. Um, not not super beneficial, and uh, and also, you know, I don't I I feel like let's say like a review of Wild Mountain Time is not like I think moving the needle on awards radar to the degree that you know chatting with John Hamm about baseball, you know, did you know that's that's the way to go. And also like, for example, he's good in that movie, so I can wholeheartedly endorse that. Um, or, um, Darren Lynn Boseman, uh, Bousman, um, his movie, uh, Death of Me is, is fine. Like it's a very, very mild recommendation, but as you listeners know, uh, I have a soft spot for saw. So I was definitely going to interview this man. Um, as you're listening to this, you have all, will have already heard an interview from me with, from me that I did with Luke Greenfield, who's a director whose credits will not blow you away except for the fact that he also made The Girl Next Door, which is beyond a guilty pleasure, one of my legit favorite movies. So, you know, I own this site, so I wanted to interview him, so that happened. Um, believe it or not, Miles, we did not talk about his directorial debut, The Animal. Well, then what? what's even the point of the conversation? I will say, though, he was very honest about, like, The Girl Next Door is the only movie he's made that he doesn't think the studio kind of fucked up, or that didn't turn out the way he wanted. So he, 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 free, he like went into detail a little bit about like, let's be cops is not the movie he wanted to make, which is, you know, good considering let's be cops. 
Yeah, I don't think Let's Be Cops turned out to be the movie that anyone involved wanted to make. No, like apparently it was supposed to be a much darker like like comedy that addressed the fact like this is a kind of fucked up premise. And then it became, you know, Let's Be Cops playing on, on FX Saturday at 7 or whatever, you know, wherever it now resides. But yeah, so that's a, that's a little peek behind the curtain. Also, he's a, he was a pretty good interview. So that's, I, I love interviews like that. Like earlier this year, before the site existed, I, I did two interviews with Josh Trank. And God, what an opportunity. Like you never talk to someone who's like, I made a movie that nobody liked, including me. I'm what is willing to talk about that. No, that's a pretty rare opportunity. Did he talk at all about the letterboxed review he left on his own movie? Um, sort of touched on it, but we, I, I didn't focus on it cause I wanted to talk more about Capote, a uh, Capone. I'm sorry. Um, want to talk about Capote. Um, yeah, no, I, I wanted to focus on the movie cause of, you know, why we were doing it, but he was, he was very eager to, you know, address those things when they were brought up. Like, you know, that's, you know, I, I was, I made a movie nobody liked. I didn't like it and I didn't handle it well. <laughs> that's not a winning formula, no matter who you are in Hollywood. So that was, that was very interesting to me. I think it, it even more interesting was that almost hesitant to talk about um, Chronicle. You know, I think, I think at that point when you, you, you hit a home run your first time and then you strike out your second time throwing the bat hitting your wife and killing your unborn child on this, on your second shot, you know, you don't really focus on the, the first success story that much. So I, uh, I just found it like incredibly interesting. It's exactly what I found. Yeah. Um, cause fantastic four was bad. No way, no way around that. So in case Andy Samberg is listening, uh, you know, <laughs> comedy subjective, <laughs> these guys loved it. Please do an interview with Joey. I mean, listen, you did, you did interviews for, for M. Night Shyamalan's uh, show. And I have said less than kind things about M. Night Shyamalan's podcast. Yep. Like I said, you know, really though, people do love the film, uh, Palm Springs. Yeah. And, you know, like, like civil war though, there's those films that, you know, everyone else. And, and this happened with the Mandalorian, uh, as I mentioned, but I've, I've since changed my tune on it quite a bit, but I've had, Moments where people are telling me, and I, and maybe it's anticipation. Maybe that's what kills it for me. Maybe I need to go into every film with you know completely blank slate. But uh, I went in expecting to laugh and to, and and I, like I said, I enjoyed it, but I just didn't laugh. My wife watched it with me, and we it was kind of silent the whole time. So, but other people are saying it's the best film of the year, and it's. You know, I mean, it's, uh, that sounds like uh, oh, this is Andy Samberg again, by the way. That sounds like the stress in your marriage, there, Steve. So. Fuck you. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I like that my, my Andy Samberg <laughs> impression always ends with fuck you. <laughs> that's that's how I picture him in my in my dream. So then I look to my side and my wife isn't my wife, it's Andy Samberg, and he mutters his famous saying, What is it, Joey? I mean sorry, Andy. Not your fucking puppet, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Andy got angry. <laughs> Andy. Oh Andy. I gotta go, guys. Fuck you. <laughs> see you later, Andy. Clom, 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 I'll see you clom, in my clom, dreams. <laughs> Only in my dreams. Oh. oh, that was that was nonsense. And and I feel like the the birth the birth of the least requested recurring uh, 
ca- uh, ca- character on this podcast. I actually quite Steve, like him. Steve, do not put Andy Samberg in the indie title of this podcast when you title it. <laughs> I won't. That's not that's not a winning formula. Uh, now my new goal is to do one with Andy Samberg and ask him to record Fuck You, Steve, at the end. <laughs> and we could just play it. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be my ringtone. <laughs> I mean, listen. Consider, I mean, I can have him record a custom one for you with uh, swap, swapping out the name if you want. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I have an, I have an idea even. I think you, I think you have a, a person in mind. I have to be careful because uh, I've been <laughs> called out by my daughters for, uh, for my cursing. They go, oh, you really think it's fun to say bad words during your podcast? And I'm like, you're not supposed to be listening. You're like, you're like yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm an adult. I get to. It's one of the great things about being an adult. I can also do this. Go to your room. No food. <laughs> well, that's where it leads. Yeah. Guess what? I can take away all the things that give you life. What a position of power. <laughs> it ain't fair, is it? But I'm as enjoying long, it. As long as they have the iPad, they're good. Yeah. They find what? that nourishment. I'm trying to remember, like, what did we do before we had, like, things, when we had to, like, go occupy ourselves? With me and my brothers, it was a lot of going in the backyard and hitting each other with plastic weapons. Hmm. I, I, I'm glad that's where that went. Because that led, that was going in, in, in a lot of different directions, and I'm <laughs> like, glad it went like to violence. You on your toes. Well, you, you, you do live in Florida, so. Well, I didn't, read the, I didn't then. I know, but Florida Man exists now. It's true. And any story that starts with a group of brothers went into the backyard and. Oh. Yeah. Well, now you're turning it into a deleted scene from It, so. (laughs) The worst scene in in It. Mm. Uh, You know there are people who complain that that scene's not in the movie? Yeah, it's the same kind of people who argue that um, being a child molester is the same as being gay. Mm. So Kevin Spacey. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Speaking of whom, have we have we gotten our annual weird holiday video from him yet? I don't think so. The past two years, he's done this weird like video as Frank Underwood as Kevin Spacey. Like, hey, don't you guys miss me? And we're like, no, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, we don't. I was thinking about him yesterday. Well, then don't do that. No. That gives him power. Yeah, that's true. He, he is. He is. He is Spacey wise. Um, Spacey. If you. Spacey sense is tingling. Yeah. No, well, that's that's how we got in trouble in the first place. Um, Miles. Speaking. You have the opportunity to direct a feature film. Okay. Like, um, you have a you have a very tiny budget, but it's a real legit, like, coming out in the theaters movie. Or Netflix, let's say. Um, you need a adult male character. Mm-hmm. And you've been informed that Kevin Spacey will do the role. And it will also double your budget. Do you cast him? Well, I don't think nowadays. I feel like if anything, we're going to lose some budget by adding him. But um, well, it's a, it's like a, it's like a Middle Eastern like sheik or something is financing your movie, and he loves American Beauty. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm a patient man. I'm not that desperate to get my big break. And if anything, <laughs> I feel I feel like I lose credibility by working with him. So I, you know. I mean, you know, it's it's easy to take the high road when it's only a hypothetical situation, but I, I don't think I would work with him, unfortunately. 
What if I tell you that the producer on the film is Roman Polanski? I, oh, you're, you're not exactly sweetening <laughs> the pot here. Exec produced by uh, by Bill Cosby. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> great. He went from one black eye to to two black eyes to two black eyes and missing teeth. By oh my if you god! Take any take that on. Wait, wait. Who else can we add to the pot now? Um, oh, well, Stephen Col- Stephen Collins is also willing to be in your movie. Great. Harvey Weinstein um, coming back to distribute it. Oh yeah, no, that that is what it is. It's the return of the Weinstein Company. Yeah, this this is their big <laughs> flagship <laughs> comeback. Wait, wait, Miles, Kevin Spacey. You- and- <laughs> You do you have a you have a script of yours that's like a dream script that you want to make? I have a few, yeah. Okay, it's that script. Fuck you. <laughs> no, it's Space, still not uh, worth it though. Weinstein's gonna no. produce it. Spacey's gonna be in it. God, don't do it, Miles. No, don't and, do it. Wait, wait. I'll even I'll even make the hypothetical more. You'll win an Oscar for it. I don't think I will though, because I did a movie with Kevin Spacey. It, no, no, you you are. Like, like it's 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 the Mel Gibson thing. Oh, oh, by the way, Mel Gibson's in this movie too. Um, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's not your dream script. You wrote a script that specifically calls for all these like monsters of Hollywood to be in the movie. I think you call it monsters of Hollywood. Listen, if I can, if I can engineer it to be a cannibal Holocaust situation where like they actually die during the making of it, then you know we can maybe explore that but they don't but they have sex with each other and mel gibson doesn't enjoy it jeez i would where are we going kids bill kids don't enjoy it i don't enjoy anything about about that (laughs) bill cosby and kevin spacey roofie him oh my god i mean i assume that's what would happen anyway right i'd like to apologize to our listeners on on behalf of those of us who don't enjoy this scenario (laughs) i think they're enjoying the scenario oh that's (laughs) <laughs> see andy sandberg uh, is attacking steve at all angles and uh miles is only cr- uh, path into hollywood involves uh financing hate and oh, uh damn it <laughs> question for the readers if you if you have an actor you'd like to accost steve let us know and i will badly imitate them and uh if you have a uh really bad paradox of filmmaking for for miles we'll uh We'll put him into it because remember he was uh, he was choosing how he was going to die and he chose wisely and poorly if we recall. Oh, was it the alien thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got probed a lot in that scenario. No, uh, I, I banged my head on the ship before I got in there, so I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I remember. yeah, yeah. Well, we made the short film out of that. Remember, or we, I told you you should have. Yeah, I mean, you and know, it's COVID. It's tough to film an alien short film right now, but I'll work well, on it. I promise this is the last one, but you clearly cast Kevin Spacey as the prober. God damn it. Yes. I wish I had been building up that the whole time, but I wasn't. All right. Tell you what, I'll cast him as the alien if he does the terrible makeup for uh, all the time, all the money in the world that he didn't end up using in the finished film. Oh, we just use cut scenes from that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't even have to work with him on set. We just we carry Fisher him uh, out of that movie and into this one. Mm. Okay, well, that's fine, but he does start calling you a lot after that. Uh, no, never mind. It's not worth it anymore. <laughs> he starts recording the videos to you. God damn it. It'll be like a cameo. <laughs> yeah. D- doesn't it stink that we, you know, there's three great films, uh, you know, in my opinion, Seven, The, the Usual Suspects, and, and Beyond uh, the Sea. And 
and and beyond the sea. No, LA Confidential mm. that will forever be tainted. I'm like you, just and I love LA Confidential. And yeah, I I have not been able to go back to it, and I'm not sure if I will ever because it's always going to be through the lens of there's a creep in every scene showing up, and yeah, and and the the end of his character in that film um, had such an impact. And now you're like, yeah, good. Good for you. You jackass. Yeah. Finally. Um, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Listen, it's like, it's, it's sad I, that we have all these, you know, I'm glad that they came out and we've, they've been exposed, but damn, there's a hell of a lot of films and, and uh, music and everything else that just will forever have an asterisk next to them. Yeah. So you're saying you're not willing to watch nine lives again? No. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> where he where he plays the role of Mister Fuzzy Pants? That I'll watch again because it can't get worse. Or the or the, uh, the horrible bosses franchise. Listen, I like the first uh, horrible bosses. I do like the first one. Yeah. The second one is is rough. Um, oh, what's the other one? Swimming with the sharks? Is that it? Where he yeah, plays, I mean, he plays the, a horrible boss. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's 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 very good as the voice of Gertie and Moon. So you don't have to see him. So maybe that helps. He's the he's the grasshopper in a bug's life. Yeah, but but we are we did lose the fact that we can never we ha, we have lost the life of David Gale. Oh, what a shame! And K-Pax. Oh, K-Pax. Yeah. Listen, I kind of like you saw that kind of like K-Pax. I do like K-Pax. I do oh, like really? K-Pax, but I know it's. I not mean, not anymore, likes. obviously, but like at the time, yeah, I think it was pretty good. Um. The one I can never go back to is American Beauty. That one just feels like yeah. completely unwatchable, both because I mean, he's front and center and just because of the content. Do you? How about how about how about um, pay it forward? He is a burn victim. Yeah, it's not. You know what's makeup, one that? Is it? No. Um, you know what's another one that you can't go back to now? Because um, he's the hero, the negotiator, Kevin Spacey, the voice of reason. Oh yeah. Talk down that crazy Samuel L. Jackson. You can do it, Kevin Spacey. You want my blood? Take my blood. Right? Is that the one? Could or am I mixing up? Am I mixing up that and John Q? Because it is largely the same movie. That might be John Q. I haven't seen either of them in a long time. I prefer The Negotiator. I used to, but I, now I prefer yeah. John Q for obvious reasons. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna re-edit John Q so it's starring Kevin Spacey for you. You motherfucker! Fine, but you can only use scenes from all the money in the world. I was gonna put him in blackface. I was gonna make it even worse for you. Actually, worse for Kevin Spacey. So we can do whatever we want to him. Yeah. Hollywood, if you want to fuck with someone, fuck with Kevin Spacey. Yep. He keeps putting well, a we just, on his head. But leave Miles out of it. Yeah. Wait. Did we? Do we? Is Ansel Elgort bad or not? Did we ever figure that out? I've heard that he's not a nice guy. I haven't heard anything like catastrophic. Well, well no. But... Well, wasn't that like fourteen year old girl accusing him of like being creepy on Instagram to her, and like we weren't sure what was happening with West Side Story? Oh, was it? Was that a thing for a little bit? Oh. I'm not making that up. That's too specific for me to have heard in my head, right? I feel like I heard something like that. So, yeah. Something came out, yeah. But so are we just losing. The cast of Baby Driver to yeah, scandal one at a time. Strike off Baby Driver and call it a mulligan for everyone else involved and move on. <laughs> I mean, I don't love Baby Driver as much as everyone else, but um, but yeah, I mean, who's next? Not John Hamm. He's awesome. 
I think. <laughs> you hope. Yeah. I mean. No, he's awesome. Yeah, he seems awesome. He was. I mean, you, the interview is up. He seems rather ra- rather awesome. Uh, yeah, I think John Hannum has a pretty good track record. So uh, let's put him in the good list. Mm. He's on He's on the nice list, not the naughty list. Yeah. I don't know anything about Ansel Elgert. Elgert. Um, I, I mean, I know that he, and I'm quoting from USA Today, denies accusations of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old girl. So, there you go. Good times. Yeah. And on yeah, and fun. on and on that note, Miles hey, has cast him. <laughs> Miles, is it true that he's in negotiations to start your next project? I I don't like this hypothetical you've created <laughs> where you're like aggressively tanking my potential film career. <laughs> well, I gotta keep you on staff. <laughs> Uh, wait, wait, he's wait. in negotiations, but we may end up having to replace him with Miles Teller again. Yeah. Wait, would you cast either of them? I'd cast Miles Teller over him. Hmm. Given the choice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with Miles Teller. He's just like. I've heard he's kind of a douche, think, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's within the, the realm of like. crime in Hollywood these days. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just a dude, um, which is yeah. fine. I also like that he yelled at. Go on Twitter. Yeah. I also like that he yelled at Jeff Wells once. That actually does counteract most of, I think, as long as he doesn't do a Spacey or a Cosby, I think he can get forgiven a little bit for, he also did yell at Jeff Wells for being a creep. Well, there you go then. Yeah. So, um, this episode is dropping on Christmas Eve. <laughs> because what do you want your stockings more than Miles' association with sex criminals? Um, Gee, can we not, though? Can we not? <laughs> I know what the title of this episode should be. <laughs> oh my god! How did this kids how gather this around get- the Christmas tree? We're listening to the podcast again. Oh god! How how, how, so, how did this get away from me so quickly? <laughs> so how do you feel about sex lies and Miles's films on videotape? Um. So here, as you as you end, since it will be Christmas Eve, tell me um, one movie related thing and one gift related thing you would like Santa to bring you. And also where to follow you. You know, because Santa delivers your stuff on social media. Hey, it's me, Steve. You can follow me <laughs> on Twitter at FilmSnork, just like Andy Samberg does. Um, hey, Steve. What do I want for Christmas? Hey, what's up, Andy? You can follow me on Twitter at fuck you. <laughs> I already I do. Why this is so... Good, I need all the followers. I'm sending you a DM <laughs> right now. Good, I have I have to go again though. I'm I'm making millions of dollars. Will Reigns at interview. Will do. Happy holidays. Fuck you. This might be the worst Andy Sandberg. Hey, happy holidays. Gotta go. Bye. Fuck you. That was him leaving. Oh, see you later. Man, I miss him. I miss him already. Um alright. I don't usually want much. What do I want? I want Andy Sandberg not to accost you. You know, right now I want a pro- yeah, I, I want that for sure. But I want a, a promising young woman, best picture nomination up for the Oscars. I'm and gonna I'm gonna edit this as your gift and send it to your wife, just of you saying you want a promising young woman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, and for me, you know what I want? Uh, just some undershirts and socks. That's all. All right. I, I feel like that's that's coming from a place of having received it. 
Miles. Uh, yes, my name is Miles. I do not associate with Kevin Spacey or any other sex criminals. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. I'm also on Instagram at Marvelous Miles, although I never check it. Um, for gifting... Uh, okay, I'll tell you what I want, because I've been going through all the James Bond movies, because uh, they're all streaming right now. So what I really want is a vinyl of all the theme songs. There's like individual ones for individual movies, but I want one that's got like all the theme songs throughout the series on one vinyl. Um, mm. And then actually I could do with some socks as well. You never have enough. Fair enough. Um, you can find me on all the social medias at Joey Magidson. Um my film-related wish is that this site makes me millions of dollars. Um, I don't know. I'm Jewish. They're not going to give me anything any- anyway. Santa treats me like Andy Samberg treats Steve. Um, and my my gift wish is a PS5. No, um, my gift wish is that Miles gets to make his movies, and he gets to have a supporting player from Home Alone 2 make a cameo. Is is that? Oh wait, I know what you're talking about. You, you motherfucker! For a minute in my head, I was like Tim Curry. I, I was gonna say Rob Schneider, but you know. Oh, uh, this we can I edit my wishes? <laughs> you can edit your wishes. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna change my movie wish to being I want in the next six to eight months, if not sooner, to be able to go to the movie theaters again in safe conditions and a, and a healthy movie theater, uh, you know, landscape where we're not going to see a bunch of shutdown. I saw the AMC on 30, was it 34th yesterday? Mm. And I, whenever I'd see that marquee, I was always so excited and such promise. I'm like, what I'm, you know, I can't wait to go see whatever film it was or, or even just read the marquee and see the films that were up there and say, Oh shit, I want to go see that. And yesterday it was, painful it's my first time in the city in a long time and it was just painful to uh to see that so that's my my theater or my film related wish and then my i forget the socks my non-film wishes i want to have lunch with andy sandberg please make it happen <laughs> fine you get lunch with andy sandberg miles who do you get lunch with <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be a sex criminal. Oh, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Who do I actually want to have lunch with now? Let me think about it. Oh, you want to have lunch with some of these people. Trust me. Mm, not anymore. Uh, I would like to have lunch with Tobin Bell. How about that? Mm. I, I I like him too much to do what I was going to do, which would be like, Miles, I have some news about Tobin Bell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to. He, Saw nine? Saw no. Nine. I mean, he's in all of them. He is Hopefully. Saw. Um, We're hoping he's in Spiral. How, here, how about this? Uh, he probably is. His voice, at least. Yeah. Um. Here's my wish to all. We get to go to a, a movie theater next year to see a movie about the corruption of the Trump administration on the day that Trump goes to jail. Ooh, very nice. Yes. Nice and on the wish. same day that Miles has lunch with Kevin Spacey. All right. God you can uh, <laughs> you can listen to us at Awards Radar coming very soon to iTunes. Um, presumably Ooh. with an explicit rating. Yeah. Um, I wonder what list we're going to wind up on for this particular episode. 
<sighs> this has been this has been Wiles's dream podcast. This is I'm Joey. This has been Miles slowly staring off into the abyss of despair and meaninglessness. So when your parents ask you what you've been up to, are you going to send them this episode? No. <laughs> I want to believe I, I, I want to believe that there's like a relative of yours who will hear it and not know that these people have been doing bad things. Like he's such an elitist. Like he should move to like New York or LA. He doesn't want to work with those people. He's too good for them. He's too good to work with Kevin Spacey. My God. Yeah, the man The man has two Oscars. I'll Miles, I'm going to get you. I'll I'm send gonna... them the Saw episode. How about that? They'll get as much yeah. out of it. I mean, probably the Bond episode is, is mainly the, is the one you'd want to send them. Um, how about I get you one of his Oscars? <laughs> Just like steal it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just cross out his name. Fun. So would you rather have one for American Beauty or, or The Usual Suspects? The Usual Suspects is a little less suspect (laughs) see i can make bad jokes too that was the most cringeworthy thing in the last 90 minutes and i spoke about kevin spacey Uh, all right let's wrap it up all right yep this is it all right take care guys bye be safe bye andy